Barring dramatic changes, we'll see something in Tuscaloosa that I can't remember seeing in my lifetime. You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your best spot to stay up to date with everything Transfer Portal, Realignment, and just the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So this Alabama roster situation is fascinating. Crimson Tide fans are having to endure what a lot of other fan bases are enduring, which is next year's team is going to look a lot different than last year's team because a lot of players have decided to leave. And that leaves you in a place of uncertainty. And there is going to be a world come 2024 unless the spring portal window pops off in a way that we haven't seen before, in which Alabama might not have one of the best, one of the 15 best, one of the 15 best rosters in all of college football, which is a startling place to be. It's amazing in a sport that was just dominated by the best dynasty we've ever seen, by the best coach in the sport we've ever seen. There was not a single year, even in seasons, in which Alabama didn't win the national championship or go to the college football playoff. You wouldn't have looked at the talent on their roster, both composite talent, future NFL talent, great college players and everything like that, and said it isn't one of the at least 10, if not five best rosters in all of college football. That doesn't automatically translate to winning every single game, but I can't think of a season in which that hasn't been the case. But I came up with a list of rosters that at the very least, some more are are more obvious than others. But you can look at all of these programs and say they're either comparable or above Alabama, and that just hasn't been the case before. Kalen DeBoer is going to have his toughest time coaching the Crimson Tide this year for another reason that I'll get to a little bit later in the show. We'll also get to Ohio State's quarterback room. But if you look at these rosters, both what they had last year, what's coming back, what came in in the transfer portal, Some of these are no-brainers to be above Alabama. Some there could be a little bit more of a discussion, but a lot of them that would be in the discussion, you would not even have considered during the Saban era. It's going to be a bigger challenge for Kalen DeBoer than maybe perhaps he realized right off the bat, though they have brought in some notable transfers. But I look at these 18 teams and say, That's either better or at least comparable, and it's not usually comparable. Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, Missouri, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Florida State, Louisville. Did you know that Louisville, you have the Louisville Cardinals under going to be second-year head coach Jeff Brom, who just had them in the ACC championship game, have got the number three transfer portal class in the country? Did you know that? Well, now you do. Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Arizona, Utah. I think Utah could have a fantastic 2024 season. And Notre Dame, all of those teams. I can't look at and say Alabama is definitively better with their roster. There's some talent there. A lot of it is undeveloped. But I think when you look at this situation, Kalen DeBoer even understands how dire it could be compared to what the standard has been at Alabama in recent years. Because Kalen DeBoer has sent a message, one in which he knows 
that they are going to have to try and just make the most of 2024 and then build up the roster, build up the recruiting base, bring in some more transfers, and load up for 2025. And I think he will. I have full faith and confidence he's going to win down at Alabama. But right now, if you look at Alabama's you know, roughly projected roster, I mean, you have Jalen Milrow on there, who, by the way, got benched earlier in the season and then got a lot better as the year went on. He's now under a new coaching staff, of course, which is never an easy situation and has to factor into your calculation of, do I like this roster better or that roster better? It all starts with quarterback. More on that in a moment. You got Justice Haynes and Jam Miller at running back. You have Richard Young, who is one of the most talented running backs in the 2024 cycle. He's coming in. He'll probably get some touches as a true freshman, but he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, be a true freshman. They have brought in Parker Brailsford from Washington. That was the 10th highest graded center in all of college football, according to Pro Football Focus. They, they brought in Nikhil Betran from Texas A&M. They've got two other returning offensive linemen, so they're solid. I, I think their offensive line can be pretty solid because they've got some proven commodities there. But at the wide receiver position, they, they've got some talented guys, but they're, but they're not super proven just yet. And, and we know in college football, there is not a 100% hit rate when it comes to talented recruits. Just because you had four or five stars or a 94 or 96 next to your name coming out of high school doesn't automatically mean you're going to live up to that potential in college, especially in a system that perhaps you were not planning to play in, though Kalen DeBoer's system historically been pass-heavy and good to wide receivers. They did bring in Jeremy Bernard. Now, Jeremy Bernard is a guy who began his career at Michigan State, pretty highly touted recruit. He went to Washington this offseason. Talented player, guy who's got more in the tank. I think he'll be one of the key players for Alabama offensively. But on a team that went to the national championship, Jeremy Bernard was a four. He was a four. If that guy becomes your one, that's a different standard. That's a lot different. Look, again, talented, I think he can be more than just a four. But is he a number one? That remains to be seen. Again, talented, but unproven. They added Damani Jackson, a cornerback from USC, a guy who hasn't exactly had the best defensive coaching in his days. Tremendous physical gifts, former five-star recruit but might be a little bit raw and undeveloped. Is that going to be one of their starting corners next year? That might be playing out over the course of spring football. So this Alabama roster, being in the situation that it is in, it's, it's a recalibration of expectations for college football fans. Because every year with Alabama, it's, are they going to execute on game days? Are they going to have good enough quarterback play? Are they, are they going to be able to just go out and win the games they need to win. It's, there's not going to be a talent problem. They don't have a talent shortage. Now you could have that this year. In Kalen DeBoer's view, they might even have that at the quarterback position. So this is the other thing to consider. Kalen DeBoer, I don't believe Kalen DeBoer is a huge fan of Jalen Milrow. It is not his prototypical quarterback that he likes to work with. The last two quarterbacks, Kalen DeBoer, has had success with as a head coach, Jake Hayner and Michael Penix. You know where those guys killed you? From the pocket, with their arm, pushing the ball down the field. Now, Jalen Milrow was much improved, particularly throwing the ball down the field over the course of the 2023 season. But Kalen DeBoer has been twice putting his hand in the cookie jar to try to find a different quarterback. 
I don't think he believes Milrow is the best option for them in 2024. I think he also knows what I've been talking about, which is the roster is not going to be close to where he would like it to be or, or where it will be in the future once they get a class or two in there, both from high school and the portal. And they want to have a quarterback who they feel elevates their team and they can run Kalen DeBoer's offense through. There have been two examples. Nick Saban was a guy lobbying for Talia Tagovailoa of Maryland to get a sixth year of eligibility from the NCAA. Do you think Saban was doing that out of the goodness of his heart? No, I think that Alabama wanted to go get him at quarterback. Didn't work out. He has to go to the NFL. And then there's a report from Greg Biggins at 24-7 Sports that a tandem that is going to stay put at Arizona in Tucson with new head coach Brent Brennan from San Jose State, Noah Fafita and Teteroa McMillan, those two guys both were recruited not just by Jed Fish and the now Washington Husky staff, but Alabama was actually the runner-up. So you can look at that receiver room. You could look at Jalen Milrow and say, well, these guys are talented. These guys can do this. DeBoer was out looking to see if he could upgrade and find guys that are more proven, more established in college football. It is going to be an uphill battle, and we have not seen that. I, I do not know a time in my life in which I've looked at an Alabama team and thought they might they, they just might not have enough talent. They've had 15 blue chip players leave their team, leave their roster this year, and they are not adding a lot. They have the 37th ranked transfer portal class in the country. It's a unique situation, one that I am beyond fascinated to see how it plays out. And final note on the Crimson Tide, you know who's still in the portal? Will Rogers. Will Rogers. Keep an eye on that name. Quarterback was going to play for DeBoer at Washington. DeBoer leaves, Rodgers goes back in the portal. He's still there. He doesn't have a home yet. And DeBoer's made it clear he's willing to consider other quarterback options beyond Jalen Milrow. Speaking of quarterback options, there has never been a better embodiment of the term embarrassment of riches than what Ohio State has going on in Columbus. There's never been a better time to go check out FanDuel, though, because the NFL regular season has wrapped up. Once again, fantastic slate of uh, postseason games, and we've got two conference championship games left in the NFL, and you can still get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. You just have to place it, and you get 150 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. It does not get any easier than that. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, all of that and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make your first bet a layup. Whoever you like in the NFL, if you want to have a little action, FanDuel's the place to go. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Ohio State has had some talented quarterback rooms over the years. You think back to the time where they had Cardell Jones, who won a national championship, JT Barrett, and Braxton Miller all on the same roster. They're up in the ante right now. 
So in this Alabama exodus over the last couple of weeks, one guy who entered the transfer portal is someone who had actually signed to play for the Crimson Tide, Saban retired, and now Julian Sayan is going to Columbus. Who's that? Well, just according to several sites, the number one quarterback prospect in the 2024 cycle. And so when you look at what Ohio State's quarterback room looks like, it's pretty crazy. It's it's very crazy, as, as a matter of fact, because their quarterback room currently cons- consists of the following players going into 2024. And I've got news for you. These guys are not all going to be there beyond this season, at least. I'd be surprised if they're all there by the time the season starts this fall. So they bring in Will Howard from Kansas State, who just had the best completion percentage of his career, just 61%, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I think he can have an even better statistical season with Ryan Day and the resources available at a loaded Ohio State roster. They have Lincoln Keenholz, who was the South Dakota Football Player of the Year, 2023 recruit, four-star guy, number 11 overall quarterback. They have Devin Brown. He was a 2022 recruit who was a composite high four-star recruit, number six quarterback in his class. And then in 2024, they have two of the top five quarterback prospects in the same cycle. They've got Aaron Noland, who's the number four quarterback, and now Julian Sayan coming over from Alabama. This is, I have never seen or heard of a quarterback room that's got five guys that are four-star recruits or better at the same time. Now, Howard is uh, perhaps coming out of high school, was coming out of high school, the the lowest rated of the bunch, but we, we know full well what he's capable of. You give him a good supporting cast, a running game, which I think they're going to have. You give him a solid defense, and I think they're going to have that too. Their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, is back. He's done a great job revamping that side of the ball over the last couple of years. Will Howard can win conference championships. We saw it two seasons ago at Kansas State. So Howard, Keenholz, Brown, Noland, Sayan, they're all going to be in the quarterback room. Spring football is often a time in which fans or shows like this one discuss quarterback battles. Why? Because it's the most important position in all of sports, as we are all aware. This quarterback battle is not just going to determine perhaps who the starter is or who the backup is or who the future is. This could determine who becomes available for the rest of college football because each of these guys in their own right has high expectations for themselves at Ohio State. Each of these individuals has got the physical capability to be a starting quarterback. Now, the early action we saw from Keenholz and Brown in the Fiesta Bowl against Missouri, a game that Ohio State's offense was dreadful, it wasn't exactly impressive. Not everybody everybody gets off to a hot start here. But if by the fall, one of these guys is on a different team, if only one is on a different team, I'd be surprised. I would 100% be surprised. You may be wondering about Alabama. Now, they got former Washington commit Austin Mack to transfer over to the Crimson Tide. Back to the point I was making earlier, that Kalen DeBoer's not in love with Jalen Milrow, tried to bring in two transfers, brings in Austin Mack, 
could be a quarterback battle in Tuscaloosa for all we know. But I think that in Columbus, this is the most how do you even how do you even coordinate a five-way quarterback battle? Now, my instinct tells me the true freshmen are going to be behind the other guys. Let's accept that premise for a moment. Do you think that both Lincoln Keenholz and Devin Brown, who could start at a variety, I mean, there are a number of options and caliber of schools that would take those guys and say, this is perhaps the most highly rated quarterback recruit we've ever had roll through the program. Do you think both of those guys are willing to be a quarterback unlikely to play for an entire season? Only one of them can be number two on the depth chart. Quarterback isn't exactly a spot, you know, like cornerback, for instance, where you say number two corner, so-and-so or so-and-so. No, you have an established backup quarterback who runs with the twos, who takes some snaps with the ones in the evidence that the guy who is in front of you goes down with an injury. You got to be ready to come in in that particular moment. You have to get those reps so that when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready for it. So I think between Keenholz, Brown, and either Nolan or Sayan, at least one could be on the move. And remember, the transfer portal window is closed unless you're a team that has had your coach leave. And there's another coach we're all waiting to hear from. That's Jim Harbaugh. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, suddenly there's a 30-day window in which Michigan players can enter the transfer portal. Now, their roster is also going to be a reset, not at the same level, I don't think, that Alabama's is going to be heading into 2024. But if that were to take place... I suspect Michigan would promote Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, who won games this year as the acting head coach as Harbaugh was suspended. But I, I just wonder, I just wonder, with J.J. McCarthy off to the NFL and these five guys in that room, and there's only one football and there's only one starting job and there's only one backup job, would Michigan take a look? Would, would Michigan take a There's another transfer portal window. It opens up in the spring. And and we, 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 we've now moved in a direction to where you can move as often as you'd like. And that's, that's close to being fine. We'll see how close it actually gets. Legislatures are involved. Congress moves slowly. Everybody understands that. But guys are being given a lot of leeway, a lot of freedom to move as they choose. So I will be more than a little surprised if all five of these guys are on the roster. Four of them, I could see it. True freshmen maybe don't expect to play right away. And one of Keenholz or Brown decide, nope, I'm the third string guy and I can go be a starter over here or at least a second string over there or compete for a job here. I just wonder, I just wonder if a school like Michigan would say, hey, did you did you lose your quarterback battle? Because, you know, our quarterback situa- situation, we've got a wildcat guy trying to make it, and he does, you know, some good things every now and then, and that's all good and fine. But we're really looking for someone who's a little bit more passing-oriented, and we want to keep him in the wildcat role. I think that that move is going to take place, and you could see, any one of those guys, Will Howard, I suspect is Ohio State's starting quarterback. And I suspect the true freshmen both will stick it out at least for one year. Between Lincoln Keenholz and Devin Brown, do not be surprised 
In fact, have it close to the front of your mind, maybe not at the very forefront, have it close to the front of your mind that one of those guys is a starting quarterback somewhere else outside of Columbus come this fall. Columbus is a place to be, though. It's a place to be. They added Caleb Downs. You talk about swooping in and catching everybody off guard. Caleb Downs was the top remaining transfer portal player available in the 24-7 sports rankings. He was the former five-star recruit. It looked like he was going to Georgia. He goes to Ohio State instead. This roster is so unbelievably stacked. And that's why neither the true freshmen, barring them being Trevor Lawrence level players that are ready to play and start immediately in college football, which is pretty darn rare. You look at Dante Moore, number one quarterback last year, he struggled at UCLA. But this Ohio State roster is ready right now to compete for a national championship. And that's going to be the expectation. And you don't wait for a quarterback to develop. You go with the guy that gives you the best chance to win right now. I suspect that's Will Howard, and I think that'll put either Brown or Keenholes into the transfer portal. A point I have driven home on this show and will continue to drive home so that everyone understands is something that bears repeating once more. It's fact time, everybody. It's fact time in which I just state something that can easily slip people's minds, but is just a reality in this weird, changing, evolving, realigned, expanded playoff NIL portal world of college football that we currently have. It's not perfect, but it's the sport we've got. A G5 team is going to make the playoff in 2024. Everybody understands that, right? Does everybody get that? Okay. Who exactly is that going to be? If I asked you right now, which team from the group of five do you think will be the highest ranked conference champion come 2024? Where's your mind going? My mind's going to two places and potentially another one, but I like these first two quite a bit. So let's start down south with the green wave of Tulane, who just completed an 11-win season on the heels of a 12-win season in which they knocked off USC. So Tulane loses their head coach, and normally... And the team I'm about to talk about, they lost their head coach too, and that seems to have been a good thing. Normally when a team loses a head coach, I'm I'm down on them. I say, mm, year of transition, mm, I don't know if this is all going to work. Tulane this offseason has been very, very busy. They've been very busy in the transfer portal. They went and got... Uh, Shaz Preston, that's a wide receiver who was once a time playing in Tuscaloosa, and who doesn't have a former Alabama player these days? It's very, very trendy. I'm sure it's on TikTok somewhere. Mario Williams, who's been around college football and has been in some wildly productive offenses, that guy knows a thing or two about catching passes and making his quarterback look good. And speaking of quarterback, Ty Thompson was once the highest-rated recruit at the position in the history of Oregon football. Wasn't able to crack the starting rotation there because they've set a pretty high standard. Bo Nix set a very high bar. Thompson wasn't ready to play as a true freshman when Anthony Brown was there. But Thompson has demonstrated growth in the limited time he did get to see in this 2023 season, and he's a mega talent. So you bring in those offensive pieces, and then the head coach who is helping drive those moves is John Sumrall from Troy. 
a guy who has compiled back-to-back double-digit win seasons with the Trojans. They, they, they finished a couple seasons ago inside the top 25. When you think of group of five football powers, do you think of Troy? Probably not. John Sumrall can coach. And Tulane is a place where in the transfer portal world, their brand has been elevated so they can go get players like Ty Thompson, like Mario Williams. And you look at what has happened in the American Conference because this is why Tulane is at the top of my list here and Boise State's going to be a a pretty close number two. It is about having a conference championship because that is what is required. It's not who's the best G5 team, it's who's the highest ranked conference champion. And so Tulane is in a conference, the American Conference, which is probably the number two G5 league in America now that SMU has moved on. Who else is going to be contending with Tulane? A program that has won a lot of football games, over 20, in fact, in the last two years. Uh, you've, you've, got, you've got UTSA, Jeff Trailer was interested in the Texas A&M job, did not take it. Good football coach there in San Antonio for the Roadrunners. Meet me. You've got Memphis. Well, that's a solid program. They've appeared in a New Year's Six game before. Their coach has been there for a few years. And you've got, who else? SMU is a member of the ACC. Not the American, not the AAC, ACC. They wanted to be a power player. They wanted to be at the table. Well, They've got a seat there now, but that leaves a vacancy. I mean, is South Florida, who had a dominant win over Syracuse in their bowl game, going to pop after a 7-6 and six year? Are they suddenly a conference contender? Because I look around, and I don't see how Tulane isn't the unbelievable favorite. Well, not unbelievable. That's not the right word. Let me, let me, let me try that line again. I don't know how you look at the American Conference and, and come to a conclusion that isn't Tulane is the undisputed favorite going into next year. Does that mean they'll be the highest ranked conference champion? Well, Boise State might have something to say about that. So Boise State, for my money, is the premier group of five brand in all of college football. They are the OG Cinderella David swinging at Goliath 07 Fiesta Bowl, one of the greatest sporting events I have ever watched in my entire life. So Spencer Danielson is the head coach there now. He's been on staff since 2017 when he was just a graduate assistant. Since 2021, he's been the defensive coordinator. Andy Avalos was fired in the middle of what was a disappointing year for the Broncos. Danielson took over and proceeded to go 3-0 against Mountain West teams. He won the conference championship, again with a team that was struggling mightily. And then they went and lost to UCLA in the Los Angeles Bowl. Well, there's not a whole lot of shame there. UCLA was a pretty solid team. Chip Kelly, historically, a pretty good coach. But they added Malachi Nelson. Well, that was once upon a time USC's potential quarterback of the future. Mega, mega talented. Now, is he experienced? Nope. Nope, he definitely is not. But there are a couple other Power 5 transfers on the roster, one at receiver, one at corner. And I look at Boise State and say... If you get Boise State right, that team runs Mountain West. Now, the reason that I've got Tulane as the more likely group of five entrant 
into the college football playoff is that Boise State is playing in a tougher league. You've got Air Force. Troy Calhoun does nothing but win a lot of football games. You've got Fresno State. Again, Jeff Tedford just just kind of wins a lot of football games. UNLV is going to have a new quarterback, but Barry Odom has got a good thing going there in Las Vegas. Wyoming is replacing a legendary head coach, but they've been good over the last couple of years. We'll see what San Diego State is in year one with Sean Lewis. I suspect that'll take a year or two to build into a conference contender. That lineup of teams to get through, though, and avoid losses to is much more difficult than what Tulane has. And consider this. Boise State has got Oregon State on their schedule. Boise State's got the Pac-2 to go through. They might be ranked, but would they be the highest ranked team? Their schedule, their path, I think, is tougher than that of Tulane, especially when you look at conference play. So Tulane and Boise State, these are first-year head coaches taking over, but I love what both bring to the table. Danielson's momentum created at the end of last year is palpable. He's parlayed that into landing a big-time quarterback recruit and John Sumrall coming over from Troy. That's a move you cannot ignore. These are the group of five teams that have the best shot to appear in the college football playoff. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be some. Watch out for James Madison. James Madison, of course, was off to a red-hot start, stumbled a little down the stretch, but that's a team that if you have a lot of success in the Sun Belt, if you're rattling off an undefeated season, well, look what Liberty did out of Conference USA. And I'd argue that the Sun Belt is a stronger league than Conference USA. So if James Madison were to go 13-0, they could be into the college football playoff. But I look at Tulane, the conference that they are in, the pedigree that it has, and the team they are assembling. I look at what Boise State has done and the conference that they are in. Those are the two teams that I highlight as the group of five teams most likely right now with the moves they've made this offseason to find themselves the highest ranked group of five conference champion and in the college football playoff. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.